Do you remember being a kid? Woo! That was a young voice. How many old ones? You remember being a kid and you had, I don't know if the girls did this, but the boys, we, you know, we would, we would fight with the, with the other boys. There's something, there's, there's fight in, 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 in seven-year-olds, you know. Um, one, of my, one of my good friends got in a fight with his best friend over one Monopoly dollar. One Monopoly dollar, and it was enough to throw blows. That was Travis Corbell. Hey, uh, I remember one day, one particular day, Bakersfield, California, it was summer, it was hot, we were riding our bikes at the edge of town, there were like 10 of us in our little, in our little crew, and we were riding these little hills at the edge of town, and uh, I don't remember what it was about, and probably it was about nothing. I remember we, we were laying down our bikes, and all of a sudden, we're drawing lines. I'm on their side, you're on their side, and you know, we're a bunch of, you know, first and pre-first and second graders, because this is like in the summer, and one of the guys said, when I get home, I want to tell my dad. That's all it took. Everybody retracted back to their bikes because we're thinking, well, this guy's going to tell his dad. Ooh, those, those guys are like nine feet tall, <laughs> you know, and they can do anything. They can fight fires with their bare hands, dads can, you know? And, and I remember we kind of riding back and just kind of trying to patch things up as we're riding back to our house, and we all lived in this apartment complex, and the edge of town wasn't far from there. And I remember just not really worried about what everybody else was going to do. I was going to patch it up with that kid because I knew his dad. And we, were, we lived like two or three houses down from them, and man, if, if he's going to tell his dad on me, who knows? That would, could have been the end of me at, as, far as, I, as far as I was concerned. So I remember just riding my bike and saying, so, you know, we're, 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 we're friends, right? And him looking at me and like, I don't know yet. Who? Who? And he was the only one that didn't live in the apartment complex. And as we're riding by, we see his dad watering the lawn. <laughs> in the front, and we're all riding by and thinking, oh, he's going to get all of us at once because he's going to tell his dad and we're done. I am here. I have the privilege of talking to you today about Abba Father. And what does all of that mean? And I know that some of you, I, re I, remember, I remember being a new Christian and people you know, talking about how, you know, I never really had a good relationship with my dad, so I can't understand what, what this father stuff is. And I remember wishing I had a good relationship with my dad. And I remember seeing other, other kids, like that kid with riding the bike and, and seeing his dad and him riding right to him and thinking, Whew, I wish I had that. I want that. I, I, I know what the Abba Father is all about. I know what this dad stuff is, you know, in the lack thereof. And some of you might be sitting there and thinking, well, I, I had a great relationship with my dad. Imagine being that kid on that bike and seeing, seeing the dad in the distance and just thinking, I'm going to tell, oh, I, I can't wait to tell my dad. Our Abba Father is the one that parted the Red Sea. Our Abba Father is the one that put the sun in the sky. Our Abba Father, there's no limit to what he can do when you tell your Abba Father what's going on. 
Abba, Father. It is, a, it is an interesting... Uh, I, was, I was under the impression that there was going to be so much more on this topic. But biblically speaking, we don't really find much. There's enough. There's enough. Don't, no one get me wrong. There's enough there, okay? Uh, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. All the way at the end of his ministry. You know, he was... He, he had left the, the disciples a, a safe distance away, and he went a little bit farther into the garden to pray. And it says this in Mark 14, 36, the, the famous words that we all know, Abba, Father, as he's, as he's talking, as he's crying out to his heavenly Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Recognizing that, that Abba, Father, the Daddy in heaven... You can do anything. Please help me. And he submitted to his authority and he, and he, and he endured the, car, the cross. And then it goes on as well in Romans 8.15. The Apostle Paul is talking. And he says that the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you might fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought, brought about adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. So the, the Apostle Paul is talking about this adoption out of slavery. We're no longer slaves, we're sons. And also in Galatians 4, verse 6, still the Apostle Paul, and again, those of you that are Bible scholars, you know that Galatians was, was, the, uh, was, Galatians was the first draft. And Romans, anything that you find written down in Romans and you find written down in Galatians, it's not, a, it's not a coincidence. The Apostle Paul really, really, really so much believed in it that he made an, an, a more expanded version in Romans. But he says this in Galatians, because you are his sons, God had sent his spirit of his son into your hearts, and the spirit calls out. The spirit of God inside of you calls out to him and calls him Father, Abba. There's actually another mention. We're not going to get into it. It's when uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and there was the writing on the wall with a finger. It used the same language, Abba. And really, in all honesty, most Bible scholars, they say yeah, it could have been a term of, of, of endearment, or it could have just been the way that you say Father. There's not enough mentions in scriptures for it. But with only three direct, real, actual, genuine mentions where it says, Abba, Father, we sure are holding on pretty tightly. As well we should be. Why? Because we're meant to be fathered. We are meant to be fathered. We're, we're, uh, we're living in an era where the idea of fatherhood, it's... It's, it's, we've gotten to a point in, in society where we're, we're kind of losing. What, what is this, what is fatherhood all about? We can greatly misunderstand it. And there are many things that are tossed into our culture that are taking the, the role of a father and, and just twisting it around. We're getting to a day and an age, and if anybody gets in trouble about this, come looking for J.J. Farrell. Hey, 
Not, not in any leadership in the church, here in this church. And if you need me, I'll be in Spain. Hey. <laughs> there are lots of things that are being thrown into culture. And the last I saw, they were saying that any, anybody can be called father. All these pronouns and all these different ways of, we are, meant, we are made to be fathered. And we as human beings, the, the, the swirl that's going around us is starting to get to a point where, where we're greatly misunderstanding what this whole father thing is all about. Our homes across America are starting to show, starting to show the fruit of, of what is a fatherless generation. Hey, simple statistics that, that, we're, that we're seeing today. And these actually, all of these numbers are quite old. The, the result of, of fatherless homes, 63% of our youth suicides are actually from children that come from fatherless homes. Okay? 85%, and, and that is according to the U.S. Department of Health Census, 85% of our children with behavioral disorders, according to the CDC, come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts, according to the National Principals Association report, come from fatherless homes. 72% of teenage pregnancies in, in the United States, according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, come from fatherless homes. We're meant to be fathered. And when we don't have that healthy fathering relationship, we go way out of balance. And where we have these healthy fathering relationships, we come back into balance. And I'll tell you, I could have been one of those statistics. Very much I could have been one of those statistics very easily. I lost my father when I was 11 years old. When I was 12 years old, I went out in the streets looking, looking for acceptance. I found gangs. When I was 16 years old, I found a youth pastor. Thank God. And then that... That youth pastor took on a, a, a fathering role in my, in my life. Things turned around. I needed that. I desperately needed that. And that's probably why I'm so passionate about how every church needs a local youth ministry. We are meant to be fathered. And in all of this, what can we hold on to? What does Abba Father mean? Yeah, the, the, the simple response is, it's just father. It's just father. But actually, those three responses, those three, those three real clear, genuine references that we find in Scripture probably show more about the relationship with those people with the Heavenly Father than actually the words themselves. Jesus himself. He was the one that, that, was, that came into this world calling God in heaven, his heavenly father. Jesus himself was, uh, lost his father himself when he was young, somewhere along the way. We don't know when, but he lost his, his earthly father somewhere along the way. And he relied on his heavenly father. But is that a coincidence? I don't think it is. Because God doesn't make mistakes. And so he had this perspective that even when he was asked by his disciples... Jesus, how do we pray? First thing he said is, our heavenly father. 
You see, you see your father in heaven as that man that's out on the lawn watching for his kids to come by with the bike. You see, you see the father, you see God in heaven as your heavenly father, our father, who art in heaven. He'll share his father with you. So this, this reference to Abba Father, it's, it's, it really shows this, uh, this theme of close relationship with the, with the God that's in heaven. And, and that's really supposed to be our, our response to our Father in heaven. And also, you think of the Apostle Paul. Twice he mentions this. Twice he mentions how our spirit calls out to him as Abba. Crawling out to, to, the, to the heavenly creator as our real, true, genuine father. So much was this the theme of the early church that it became after, after those days as the way that, that the early church started all prayers. The early church, the persecuted people, the, the, the start of, of what we so freely uh, worship our heavenly father, the start of Christianity, those people were greatly persecuted. Greatly persecuted, sometimes burned alive. And they saw, they saw this worship of, of the God in heaven as something that they could lose their life over. And yet they had this incredibly tight relationship with, with their heavenly creator. That it wasn't something distant their spirit called out to him as Abba, the Abba Father. What are some of the ways? What are some of the ways that, that we would describe a dad? What are some of the ways that we could describe a dad? What's that? Supportive. Supportive. What are some of the ways that we would describe a dad? Strong. Give me some more. Protective. There are plenty more. Come on, guys. <laughs> Wise. You gave two. You got any more? What's that? Leader. The leader. A nurturer. I'm trying to pull some of off the list that, that I already said that you said. He's a nurturer. Taking good care of you. A guide, a mentor. He'll find a way to help. A dad will find a way to help. Protector. And the rest we've already talked about. See, there's something about a dad. There's something about a father that just cannot be re replaced. We all need to have, we, we're made with that thing inside of us that says, I'm going to go tell my dad. He is that, that strong pillar in my family that I can run to and I can stand next to and, and I'm going to be fine. But does that happen today? Does, does that happen in, in our day and age? A few weeks ago, I don't know if I could say pleasure or honor or what it was, I, I, I went to Poland. I dare say it was a pleasure. Uh, I, I went to Poland at the, at the start of this whole refugee crisis, right when the war in, in, in Russia started. And we went there, sent by CityServe to, to go and kind of scope some things out, and there, it's a long story. 
We went there to, to go help out with the, with the start of the refugee, refugee crisis. These people coming across the border, and I tell you, it was an eerie thing to walk around Warsaw, Poland, and see so many young mothers walking with small children. It's, it, was this, it was this wandering around of, of mothers in their 20s with two or three, four children, strollers all over the place, and they were everywhere. But I tell you, it was... It was heart-wrenching to watch these mothers walk around with these kids, but I knew as soon as I get to the border, because Warsaw is not a border city, as soon as I get to the border and I see what's happening as they're, as they're crossing over, I just knew that was, that was going to be a different kind of heartbreak. Let me tell you what I found. Everything that you see on CNN and you see on Fox News or wherever you find your news, wherever you see the images, it doesn't do it justice because you can't smell it. You can't, you can't really hear the crying mothers, and you, you don't see the people collapsing as they're walking across the borders. Let me show that first slide. You see these mothers that are, that are coming over, and they're, they're, they've got blankets on top of them. They've got children that, that, they're, that they're, pulling, uh, they're pulling suitcases behind them, and they, they find themselves uh, just on the other side of the border. You see this look on their face where they say, I crossed over the border, but the problem isn't fixed yet. And then, then they're, they're escorted over to these little tents in freezing cold weather. And you see it there. There was no help. Eh, uh, sorry, no hope. There was help. It just wasn't. You don't, you don't want to be in that kind of need, to need that kind of help. Because that's the kind of help that, that you are being offered. Next slide, please. You see... These people that are out just on the streets, just a few yards away from the border, sitting down on something, they're feeling safe. Sit down and, and, and give the kid a bottle, read the child a book. They're, they're in this, this horrible place in life where they're realizing, I don't have anybody to help me. But as we were going to these different places and we were seeing how the church is responding. I, I, I heard the theme as I was talking with the, the, with the leadership in, in the Polish church. And he said, actually, JJ, what's happening in, in the state and what's happening with Christian people as they're crossing over the border, it's entirely different worlds. He said that as before someone crosses over, if they were, if they were God-fearing church-going people, we've got our eyes on them. And he said, we, we'd like to have our eyes on everybody, but we definitely, can, we definitely have our eyes on every Christian person that's crossing over, regardless of the denomination. And he said that before someone crosses over, they get a text on their phone, and that text will tell them everything that they're supposed to do. Next slide. And, 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 I, and I, heard, I heard him say those things, and then I wanted to test it. Because if someone tells me something, I'm, gonna, I'm at least going to check it out. I talked to a mother. The next slide. That mother right there. Christian, Christian sister in the Lord. I asked her. I said, so how did, how did you find out about this place? She said, well, when, before, I was, before I got to the border, I was on the train in Ukraine heading towards Poland. I got a text on my phone. And she was waiting for instructions. Her pastor said, we're going to send you instructions of, of what needs to happen next. 
She got the text and she said, I looked at that and I didn't know what to do with it. She was afraid. But then she got to the border and crossed where they told her to cross. And she looked at her phone and she said, oh, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. She walked past the crowd, all of those people and all of those little tents that walked past all that, walked past the buses, took a right with her three children, and she walks about a half a mile. She looks at the, the details of her text, and she was supposed to look for a yellow car, and this is the license plate number, and this is the, the, the picture of the person that's supposed to pick her up, and you're supposed to initiate the conversation. She goes up to this person and says, Hey, are you Vladimir? Yes, I am. Get in the car. Takes him to this place. And they're greeted with a hot bowl of soup. And the children are asked, if you would like some toys, go in the other room and you can, you can go pick out as many toys as you can handle. Because these kids, they left home without any toys in their hands. Just clothes and not enough of them. And then they were escorted to a private room where they could get a good night's sleep. And as I was sitting there and this, this mother goes away back to her kids who were taking a nap, I noticed that every 10 minutes another family is coming in. But you know what's happening? Our Abba Father that is in heaven is taking care of his children. And that is no, that, that shouldn't shock anybody. Because that's actually been the theme of scripture forever. He's always been a good father. It says in Luke 15 verse 4 that he'll leave the 99 to go rescue the one and he gives you in, in Matthew 6 26 33 he says he will give you what you need and in Matthew 7 11 it, it shows us that he gives you good gifts and in Deuteronomy 4 31 it says that he will have mercy on us and our heavenly father in Psalm 68, verse 5, he said this. He is the father to the fatherless. And I noticed, I realized as I saw these women walking around, many of them have their, their, their husbands on the battlefield and their adult teenage sons on the battlefield. But those little ones that are walking around, they are the fatherless. And the Lord's just taking care of them. But that's what he does. That's what he does. Some of you might be going through your own crisis today. And some of you might be dragging other things behind you today. Some of you might be saying, I, I, I've never been able to relate to my heavenly father as the Abba Daddy. The key, really, in those three instances was the tightness that those men had with, the, with their father that was in heaven. Jesus really saw God as his father. The apostle Paul was so tight that he was, he was willing to give it all over and over and over again. Every time he went in prison, he was probably thinking, this could be the last time. Today, I want you to evaluate 
what it is that you're going through. Some of you, you, you desperately need a dad to go tell your problems to. You desperately need to, to find your dad watering the lawn to say, let me tell you what's happening. Let me tell you about what's going on in my life. How many of you would say, I've got things that I'm going through that are just bigger than me. And how, do you, how many of you would say, it's been a long time since I've seen my father in heaven like the Abba Father, like I should. I remember being that 16-year-old boy strangely looking at a, a youth pastor. Tim, where are you? God bless you, man. You, you're a hero to so many, and you will be. Looking at this youth pastor and just thinking, can't possibly have enough time for me. He can't possibly have enough because I've got some things that I'd like to unfold. There are things I couldn't tell anybody at that point in my life. But when I found out that there was a closet I could go to and when nobody was home in my, my house, I could just, I could let it out to my Abba Father that wasn't in heaven and man, somehow he just felt like he was standing right next to me. How many of you need a, an Abba Father to stand right next to you today? And that is me. That's me. You know, we do this from time to time. But don't ever take it, don't ever take it for granted. 